Good morning. Good morning. So glad you could be here. Um, today is the day. So, uh, but it's going to be an amazing time of worship. We have a lot of things to celebrate. Um, lots of baptisms. Just so you know, last week we had three people signed up and now we're up to nine. So we have a lot of things to celebrate. How the Lord moves in our hearts in our young kids' hearts, adults' hearts. Um, so I know this is a heavy time, but also a time to rejoice. And so uh, we are going to open in worship, and then myself, and then Adam Peak and Tara and the Peaks are in the house today. And family members that are coming with family to be part of baptisms, we're so glad you could be here um, to join us. And so um, let's just take a quick second to pray. And then we'll start in worship. One more side note. If you need a Bible, there's some on the racks in the chairs or on the side of the bookshelves. But we'll be in Philippians uh, through the sermon. So, Yeah, God, we just, we love you. We love you. Thank you for loving us. I pray this morning that we could bring a fragrant offering to you just in praise and acknowledge who you are and what you've done um, this morning. So we just give you that. God, thank you. Thank you, Father. We love you. Just be here this morning. We invite your presence. In your name, amen. Be flexible. No drama. Be flexible, no drama. Be flexible, no drama. Those four words about 17 years ago changed the trajectory of my life. You see, um, I was part of a youth group out of Pulpit Rock, and we went on this amazing mission trip to the Dominican Republic, and we joined two other teams, one from Monument and one out of Michigan. And about 60 students, for 16 days, we went and served this community out of Santo Domingo, basically. And a man got up and said, be flexible and don't carry the drama. And what he meant was, be ready for whatever and don't make it about yourself. A lot happened on that trip for 16 days. You can imagine, man, God rocked our lives because every single student, every single leader at one point was in the, the infirmary, puking, dying. Jason was there, he remembers. But I remember we, we were ministering to these young kids um, in a community and we were in this orphanage that had a day school and um, we did these basically Bible classes or VBSs and we were inviting these kids from the neighborhoods to come and we would teach them about Jesus and one night someone was leading and they, they shared, hey, what is, what is it that you need to ask God so that you can be flexible? What is it that you need to do so you don't make it about yourself? And I mean, students were sharing and I, I got up and I, I was 18 and I shared, man, I don't think I've ever interacted with a child. I didn't know what to do. 
So I asked that people would be praying that God would show me how to interact with children, which is funny because my mom is here. She's a nursery director for 18 years. Maybe that was the problem. But I remember we went out and we were, we were just inviting kids and, and you know, we're just yelling because I can't speak Spanish. And uh, the translators are telling them what to do and all of a sudden this kid, he jumps on my back and he stays with me for 15 days. And that was the answer from the Lord, right? We were challenged to be flexible and not make it about ourselves, but to be available. What most of you don't know is those two other teams were other pastors that helped find this church. Spent some time ministering with them, and they're no longer here, but that's okay. It doesn't make their words any less true. And what's happening here, the words that we've shared, the things that we've built together, doesn't make it any less true true. Open up your Bibles to Philippians. I love Philippians because Paul is talking to the church in Philippi, and really it's, it's about helping them regain their posture, their alignment. I don't know if, you, if you've read in Acts 16, we won't go there, but if you read Acts 16, sorry, I just like crushed this cross. So um, if you read in Acts 16, uh, Paul and many other missionaries have this desire to go to a different part of Asia, and it literally says that the Holy Spirit kept them away from going there. In some of your versions in, in Acts 16, it might have said that the Holy Spirit forbidden them. There might be some confusion for us, like, God, what are you doing? Why are we closing this down? And it's an act of the Holy Spirit. And we'll see why. So Paul had visited Philippi after the Holy Spirit said, hey, you're not going to this place. I'm going to send you over here. That's where he starts his second missionary journey. And then later on, he gets held captive and in chains for the sake of the gospel. And he sends this letter to the church, the Philippians. So here we are. Uh, Look at verse 3, chapter 1, verse 3 of Philippians. I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Same stands true for us. Until the day of completion. Now, I love this part about Paul. He says, it is right for me to feel this way about all of you since I have you in my heart. For whether I am in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. We all share in God's grace together. Go down to verse 12. It says, now I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. What's happening to Paul here? He's in chains. The Holy Spirit said, hey, I don't want you here. I want you to go this way. And it caused him to be persecuted on house arrest. Verse 13, as a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. Because of my chains, most of the brothers in the Lord have been encouraged to speak the word of God more courageously and fearlessly. 
It is true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. The latter do so in love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely supposing that they can stir up trouble for me while I am in chains. But what does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached. And because of that, I can rejoice. Listen, some of us are having these conversations and have a little bit of angst because we're about to go into different fellowships or trying to figure that out. And I just encourage you, don't be too critical. Do a litmus test and say, is Christ preached here? Is the gospel here? That is the test. Because you, you're not going to find a perfect person, neither would you find someone perfect here. Later on, you know, Paul is talking about his suffering and how Christ is sufficient in verse 21, a famous verse for, to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. He's conflicted, remember? He's conflicted. Right now, it doesn't look like any of us are dying, so we have Christ right now. He is still not done with you. He still has something in store for you. And he encourages them. Flip over to chapter 2, verse 1. He's encouraging them to say, man, just keep your eyes on Christ and don't live in fear. And he tells you how to do this, right? The next, that little subheading says, imitating Christ's humility. Verse 1, it says, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded having the same love, being one in spirit and purpose. Check this out. Kids, this is a great thing to start practicing. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. And then he talks about how Christ did that. But for the reason why he encourages us to be like Christ is for this in verse 12. It says, Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. Do everything without complaining or arguing. Side note, parents, that includes us not just for the kids, so that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a crooked and depraved generation in which you shine like stars. Listen, our culture is crooked and depraved. It's our role to shine, to be a witness. Again, he is not done using us for the sake of Christ. It's easy for, to forget that. This is why Paul is writing in this letter. Like He really doesn't have too many complaints about them, although he does. It's very minimal. Go to chapter 3. This is where it kind of gets challenging for us. 
So Paul is, is talking about how we shouldn't live in our own confidence or really out of self-righteousness because that was what was happening in the church of Philippi. There was this threat that people's self-righteousness was getting in the way for the sake of the gospel. Verse 7, put your eyes there. But whatever was to my profit, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God and is by faith. Check this out, verse 10. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his suffering. Let's not forget that. We may walk away from here and we don't want to suffer. We don't want to be uncomfortable. But we are going to suffer for his sake. I'll go back to verse 10. I want to know Christ in the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow to attain to the resurrection from the dead. He's holding hope, right? That's what we'll be doing. We're holding hope. Verse 12. Not that I have already obtained all this, or have already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of what or, or that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. Again, another reminder. Like He's not done with us yet. He's not done with you yet. doesn't matter your age. This is a good reminder. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. What is the goal? It's Christ, so that we may know him in his power. How do we know him? It's through suffering sometimes through suffering. Go to chapter 4. Therefore, my brothers, you whom I love and long for, my crown and my joy, that is how you should stand firm in the Lord. Again, encouraging them to continue to look forward at Christ. Keep your eye on him. Continue to press in to him. Verse 4 says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all, that the Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. One thing to go back about this self-righteousness, right? Self-righteousness is trying to take control and try to uh, make things happen for yourself. That we try to make ourselves the savior. And let me tell you, self-righteousness is the killer of joy. 
Because what happens when you try to go after it and you fall short, you just rob yourself of all joy. You're just so hard on yourself. There's no peace. Again, that joy is in who? Christ. Paul keeps on pointing, pointing him back to it. Verse 12, I know, you know, go down to verse 12, I skipped a little bit. I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry or whether living in plenty or in want. I can do everything through him who gives me strength. But I love this verse 12, or sorry, 14. Yet it was good of you to share in my troubles. Your version might say in my sufferings. God has a, a new plan for us to share in someone else's sufferings, to partner with people in the gospel, to partner with other bodies in the gospel for Christ's sake. And you know Paul, man. He, he helped make all these churches. He helped plant them. No one here is saying, like, hey, just cut all ties and forget everybody. It's saying cherish that as a gift. Remember at the beginning of his letter, he's like, man, how much I love you, how much you're my crown and my joy. Man, I get the honor of saying that's true for all of you. For all of you. What I love about Paul, right, is he's addressing people's um, self-righteousness and how to, to walk in humility. Um, and then he, the last thing he ends with is, I've done a lot of things, uh, and the one thing that I have to tell you is that I have found contentment. I have found contentment. That's just so I make sure I end on Aletheia time. I have found contentment. This is a springboard into us finding that contentment. And all of us are going to hit that at different levels. Some of you are really good at already being there. And some of you are, have not even begun, and that's all right. But when there's confusion, come back to Philippians. It's a really powerful book. You don't have to turn here, but I want to end with this. I, Drew had asked me, like, hey, what do you want to name this sermon? And I was like, I don't know. I think I sent him emojis, right? I sent you some tears. Um, I sent him some tears. And then I, I was like, all right, God, what do you want to name this? What do you want this to be? And the only thing I could think of is a new song of surrender. And let me tell you why. I was reading in Psalm 40. Um, David is, you know, David experienced some persecution, some by his own right and some by the fact that people just didn't like him. And Psalm 40 says this, I waited patiently for the Lord, he turned to me and heard my cry. He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and the mire, and he set my feet on a rock and gave me a firm place to stand. Who is that rock? That's Christ. This is my favorite part. He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. Something fresh, right? Something fresh. You may need to come back to the psalm, Psalm 40, write it down. I waited patiently for him. He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. That doesn't change the minute we walk out of this building. Verse 4, blessed is the man who makes the Lord his trust, who does not look to the proud, 
Remember self-righteousness? To those who turn aside to false gods. Many, O Lord my God, are the wonders you have done, the things you have planned for us. No one can recount to tell you. Were I to speak and tell of them, they would be too many to declare. I'm sure we can sit here and we can say, like, man, there's so many things before this announcement that I could praise God about, and there are going to be so many things after today that we get to praise him for. It has just begun. It is a new song. Adam, why don't you come up here? While he's coming up here, I lost my piece of paper, but I think I remember where to go. If you don't know who Adam is, Adam is also one of our founding pastors and families. They moved out here from California back in 2010 um, to help us launch Aletheia. And then they decided to listen to the Lord and they moved away to Utah. And um, that was a morning time too. But he's here to greet us and to share a little word of encouragement. But as he's getting ready, I want to read this verse to you. It comes from Luke 9, 23. And Jesus says this, if anyone could come at, would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. When you follow him, man, we need to ask him for new songs of praise daily, new prayers, but be encouraged. Adam's going to share, and then I'm going to come back and lead us in a posture of prayer. Hello. Hi. Uh, thanks, Manny. Yeah. Um, I was thinking about the five to 38 minutes I have to share. <laughs> and, uh, you know, so, there's so many people here that we just, we, we, we left four, four years ago. Four years ago, my, my son AJ was only four feet tall, and now he's eight feet tall. Um, and... And I think about how special this place is because we, we moved to another state. Uh, like, we had to buy a big van, and I have to tell people I have one wife and five kids because that's we live in Salt Lake City, so we just got to clarify these things. <laughs> like, we're in a whole different culture. And, and yet, four years later, we can still come back here and just be greeted and be just in loving fellowship with people. And if that's not an encouragement for what the next years are going to be for all of us, I don't know what is. Because the thing about Aletheia, so when we moved out here in, in 2010, Manny was 14 years old. And he, he was, we were like, I was like, how's this guy pastoring? Jeez. Uh, he's like, I'm the youth pastor. I'm like, I think you're the youth, buddy. Um, uh, but when we moved out in 2010, we didn't know what we were doing, um, and and we were we were on we were on a mission, right? We were on a mission to see the kingdom of God expand in Colorado Springs. And since that moment, Aletheia has always been a sending church. We've always sent people. We've always sent resources. And I like as Manny was preaching through Philippians, I was like that church eventually came to a close. The church that the Apostle Paul started, that guy who wrote letters that we're studying today, like that church eventually had an end. Because we have this resurrection faith, right? Things come to close, and then there's beauty on the other side of that. 
I know for our family, when we left, it was hard. My wife and I grew up here. We, both, we went to Lewis Palmer Elementary School, Lewis Palmer Middle School, Lewis Palmer High School, and then we went to the Harvard of the Rockies, which is Colorado State. And, and so this was our home. This is, where, this is where we grew up. Our family is here. Our church family was here. And yet God called us to a different place. God has called so many people to other places. I've sat in a prison in India with men and women from this church and watched 17 people give their life to Christ because of the work of this little church and this little time and this little place. We have seen people come to know Jesus and then immediately get baptized at our services. On the way here, my wife was Marco Poloing with our... Marco Poloing? Is that... She's doing a Marco Polo with our neighbor in Utah. Our neighbor, who grew up in the Mormon church, came and heard me preach at the church that we go to, The Point, and left the Mormon faith and gave her life to Christ and is involved in Bible study with my wife. There are dozens of people in Salt Lake City that, that, are, that are now leaving this, this fellowship and this faith, and they are coming to know who the real Jesus is because of the foundation that was laid by this little church. And so the thing is that this church does not end because this church is Christ's church, and Christ is from, from beginning to end, right? The, the official government part of this church might be coming to a close, but Christ's work in you is not going to stop. It didn't stop in us when we left because all of you are going to be sent. You're going to be sent into different communities. You're going to be sent into different places, God willing, some of you are sent to Salt Lake City, Utah. Come on out. We'll, we'll welcome you. Uh, but you're going to be sent, and it's hard. It's really, really hard. But that's okay, as Manny said. It's in that time of suffering. It's in that time of trial that we really get to experience Christ. And so this idea of being the sent out ones is, is going to be a tough and I was telling Jeff, like, it's, we had a four-year head start on it. But I'm telling you, the Lord is not done with you. The Lord's not done with this church. G&P Skate Ministry, still going strong. We just had a board meeting last week. I got to see Matt and Justin. I'm still on the board. That ministry is still touching lives. The ministry through Sam and Kamala in India, still going strong. People are still coming to know the Lord. The stuff that has happened because of God using this church is going to continue far beyond now. And so we ought to be encouraged that, that the work that was begun in us, Christ is going to continue to carry it on, and he's going to be faithful to completion. Manny, you can come on up. I want to read you one of my favorite verses. It's, uh, it's from the message. Um, it's, it's Eugene Peterson. He's, uh, he, his, uh, I don't know what we'd call it, not trans, paraphrase, of Romans chapter 8. He says, this resurrection life you receive from God is not a timid, grave-tending life. I love this phrase. It is adventurously expectant, greeting God with a childlike question, what's next, Papa? God's Spirit touches our spirits and confirms who we really are. We know who He is, and we know who we are, father and children, and we know that we are going to get what's coming to us, an unbelievable inheritance. We go through exactly what Christ goes through. If we grow through the hard times with Him, then we're certainly going to go through the good times with him. There's going to be difficult times. This is a difficult time. But we know we are promised that we have a resurrection life 
that can be adventurously expectant and that we can be on this journey with him. And I'm excited to see what the Lord is going to do with each and every person here because of this and see where he's going to take this church because the Holy Spirit is in you, right? It's not about the building. It's about you. And you're going to do something awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, man. Yeah. All right. I want to invite you guys to do something. This is something I've been doing for a while, and I can't take any credit, but I want to take a minute as a church body to have a posture of prayer. So if you're comfortable, go ahead and stand up. Kids, you too. Kids, stand up. And I've been thinking about the worship team can stay where they are, and I want you to participate in this, and then when I'm done, you guys can come up, okay? So you guys know that I've been going through my own journey, and it's true of everybody here, but you just get to witness it more um, because I am up here. But every morning, you know, I wake up and try to get some time with the Lord and He's led me to this place of, of having, being able to put myself in a posture in alignment with God. Um, and it's not always easy, but it's a great reminder. So I wanted to invite all of you to, to join me in that. And so um, the way it starts, and if, if you're not comfortable doing it, no problem. If you're online, I would encourage you to stand in your living room or wherever you are and join us in it. But it starts like this, and I have my fists held up. Let's go ahead and do that. Kids, you too want. And I want you to repeat after me, at least a few of you, so it's not too awkward. All right, so I start with my fists up, and I say, God, I confess that this is my natural posture, is to try to make something happen, to take control, but not today. But I choose, let me raise your hands up. A posture of surrender. This is not my life. I hand it over to you, God. All right, so then I go to another posture. There's two more. I have my hands like this, kind of like I'm getting handcuffed. And I say, God, I confess that this is my natural posture to take and to keep and to be selfish. But I choose, and open up your hands, a posture of generosity. Freely I receive, and freely I release. Let me live with open hands in a closed-fisted world. Okay, last one. I cross my arms. However you do that, sometimes I get confused. But it says, God, I confess that this is my natural posture to critique, to consume, and to spectate. But today I choose, open up your arms wide. But today I choose the posture of mission. Help me find the lost, the least, the last, and the lonely. 
Use me, God. Father, this is our posture. This is what we give to you. Lord, we pray as we worship that we would be able to reflect and respond and just walking in faithfulness. Lord, hear our cry. Help us bring a new song from this day. I'm going to invite the worship team to come up. We're not going to be doing response time in the typical way. Um, so we do have communion on both sides um, that you can take as a family or individually. Uh, but we're going to have two songs, sort of, and then we're going to be doing some baptisms. And so um, it's going to get fun and wild and something to celebrate. Go ahead and take a minute. All right, we're going to just, I have a few announcements, believe it or not. Although today is our last service, we have a banquet next Sunday. If you did not RSVP and plan to, please do that. There's a link. We're going to be sending it out a few other times, but we're going to have bounce houses, some barbecue, um, and a, just a blessing at the end. Um, there is an opportunity if you, uh, we need to kind of plan it just because of the time and stuff, but anyone that wants to share a little testimony of what Aletheia meant for you and just an encouragement um, on that sheet, you can say, yes, I want to. Thank you for those that are wanting to. And again, no pressure. We know that the mic is scary. So, um, but that's next Sunday at Pine Creek High School, 11 o'clock. Food will be provided. Don't, just bring yourself. We're going to have bounce houses for the kids. Um, and then uh, Rob Cook has offered to take some family photos over here um, or over here. Or you're over there at this cross. If you're interested, um, he's just offering it up to anyone that wants to get a picture here um, if you're into that. But I wanted to invite Johnny to close us in prayer, and then we are dismissed, okay? And feel free to hang around for a little bit, too. All right, thank you, brother. Um, so I'm going to do what I always do, throw a little monkey wrench in it. So I would, uh, I would like everybody to come on up. And I won't keep you up here long. I know it gets hot. I know that's the first thing you're thinking, like, dang, it gets hot up there, Johnny. Okay, but still, come on up. And, uh, and I just want you to throw a, throw a hand, grab hands with somebody, throw your arms around somebody, and then I will, I will pray uh, the closing blessing. There you go. Get up in here. That's right. I love it. This was one of the things when I first started coming to Aletheia, just this, uh, this idea of, of people getting together and joining hands and laying hands on each other was part of, my, part of what won me and my family over right in the very beginning. All right. So, Lord God, I thank you so much for everybody that's in this circle, and I thank you for the future that you have for each of us, Lord. And I want to start by praying Ephesians 3, uh, starting in 14, when Paul said, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom all the families of heaven and earth have been named, that according to the riches of your glory, they would, you would grant them to be strengthened with power through your spirit in the inner being, that Christ may dwell in their hearts by faith, and that we, being rooted and grounded in love, would have strength with all the saints to comprehend what is the height and depth and length and breadth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses understanding, that we may be filled with all the fullness of God. That is a big prayer, Lord. And so now we send these people off stronger than when they got here, with more knowledge of that than when they got here, Lord God, to bring that revelation, Christ in us, the hope of glory, and to spread it out into the world as a sweet savor to your nostrils, Lord God. 
And I just pray, Lord, even as I say that, that you would comfort the hearts, Lord, of the people right now that we're laying hands on, that you would comfort the hearts of your people, Lord God. And yes, that there will be grief, but yes, that there will also be joy and that they would feel your presence in the midst of it. And then I pray, Lord, in this circle, that there would be wounds that are healed, Lord God, if there are emotional wounds, if there are even physical wounds. Um, I just pray for healing to happen in this circle right now as the saints come before you, believing that you are God and that you called us together for a reason for the season that we've been together. Be glorified, Lord, in our tears. Be glorified in our hugs. Be glorified in our embrace. Be glorified in the love that we have for each other. Be glorified in these dancing little babies and crying babies and whatever it is, Lord. Be glorified amongst us. And we then, you know, lift all these people up to you in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. See, that was a a relatively short prayer for me. All right. So... God bless you all. I love you.